This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You know, the Parsha is an amazing Parsha. It starts off with Yaakov Avinu running away. He's running away from his brother. He's running away penniless. He was uh, robbed along the way. His brother's uh, son, Eliphaz, his nephew, robs him, steals everything he has. And he's left penniless and he's running away. And he has nothing to help him, no one to help him. He's all alone. And he's running into the wilderness as far as he's concerned. He's going to Haran to meet his mother's brother, who's a known trickster. And he has no one to rely on except Hashem. That's it, Hashem. That's it. So the Torah tells us, right at the beginning of the parasha, in the opening two lines, he says, he comes to a certain place. He got to a certain place. And it was late. And he went to sleep there. And uh, he took some stones. And he put it under his head. And he slept in that place. And straight away he has this dream. He has this amazing vision. He had a dream. And this ladder was going up from the ground. Its feet were in the ground, but its head was in the heavens. And the angels of God were going up and down the ladder. And Hashem was on the top of the ladder. And uh, actually, it doesn't say that Hashem was on the top of the ladder. That's a misconception. Hashem nitzav alav. And Hashem was standing over him. Hashem was standing over Yaakov. By Yomar. And Hashem said, Ani Hashem Abraham, I am the God of Abraham, your father. And the God of Yitzhak, your father. The land that you are lying down on, I will give to you and your children. There's enough uh, conflict over this land. Hashem, this promise should come true in our day. There'll be no more conflict, no more United Nations uh, declarations and general assemblies. The nations of the world recognize this promise. Hashem said, I'm going to give this land to you and your children. And your children will be like the dust of the earth. And they'll be in the east and the west and the north and the south. And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And through your children. And Hashem says, I'll be with you and I'll protect you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. I will never leave you alone. Amazing, amazing promise. This is such a gorgeous, a gorgeous dream to have. Imagine the guy's running away from his murderous brother and his murderous brother's family. And he's got nothing in his, in his pockets. It's empty completely. And he's running to the unknown. And he has this gorgeous vision. So the question is, what does this vision mean? What is this ladder? Or the angels going up and down the ladder. And uh, so it's a, it's a beautiful idea that we have that can, we have to use in our lives. This idea of the ladder going up to heaven is something we can use in our lives. So I just want to start off with the Baal Haturim. The Baal Haturim was a famous, uh, he's, his father was a Rosh, famous rabbi from Germany, who ran away from Germany because his, his own rabbi was put in jail by the Germans, held to ransom. Uh, the Marama Rottenberg, so the Rosh runs away. Where does he run? He runs to Spain. And the Spanish Jews who were Sephardim appreciated his knowledge and made him the chief rabbi of Toledo. Amazing. 
So the, the famous Rabbeinu Asher, Ashkenazi rabbi, becomes the chief rabbi of Sephardim in Toledo. And his son was Rabbi Yaakov Balaturim, who wrote the famous halachic work, the Tur, uh, about uh, different four volumes, on which is the forerunner of the Shulchan Aruch. And he also wrote a commentary on the Torah. Now, his commentary is mainly known for the prefaces of, the Torah, of his parasha, which deal with numerical values, gematrias. He's very, very good at gematrias. Most people forgot about his commentary. They just take the gematrias. So most Chumashim have a lot of his gematrias called the Bala Turim. And over here he says the word Sulam, ladder. What is the gematria of the word ladder? 136. 136. And there's lots of different things that have 136. Interesting. Three major words which we have in our Yom Kippur liturgy, Kol Tzom Mamon. Three things that can turn away, can break a decree. Kol is the voice, which is prayers. Tzom is fasting, which is Teshuvah. And Mamon, money. Sadaqah, charity, these three things can break a decree. That is the numerical value of the word Sulam, which is a ladder. So a ladder can be expressed in different ways. Through our voices, our prayers are basically the ladder between us and God. Our prayers are the ladder between us and God. So who are the angels going up and down the ladder? The answer is our thoughts. Our thoughts, which in in Hebrew is kavana. Our meditations are producing angels. We have to realize when we think, it's very powerful. Thinking is very powerful in Judaism. Um, And there's different levels of power. So... The lowest level is actions, and we have speech, and we have thoughts. Thoughts are one of the highest levels of energy we have that links us to Hashem. Our thoughts can link us to God. We have to remember that. Our thoughts can link us to God. The speech is mainly this vehicle on which our thoughts run. So a person says something, hopefully their minds are tuned when they're praying. They're saying the words, sometimes um, our words are coming out, but the, the mind is not there. Says, uh, prayers without thoughts, without the meditation behind them, are like a body without a soul. The soul is the meditation, the soul is the thoughts. The latter is the prayers, reaching up to heaven, reaching up to God, and the angels going up and down could be our thoughts. So that's a simple gematria call the voice. A voice is the same numerical value as the word sulam, which is the latter. So the voice itself, the prayers, are the latter going up to heaven. But he says, he's referring to a different word, mamon, money. Money, he says, and only poverty are the same numerical value as sulam, as a ladder. The ladder can be a ladder. Wealth is a ladder going up to whatever it is, power, uh, honor. The ladder to wealth is a ladder. The wealth is ladder to uh, power and honor and uh, pleasure and other things. And Oni is the ladder going downwards. Oni is poverty. So the ladder of wealth and poverty. He says, it's interesting, he says that Hashem showed Yaakov in his dream this ladder of wealth and poverty. How did he show it to him? He showed him two individuals. This is a beautiful idea. He showed him one of the richest people ever was Korach. People don't realize Korach was, the Midrash says, one of the richest people. He was swallowed up by the earth. He challenged Moshe Rabbeinu. With his power, he, his, his money caused him to crave power and his ego caused him to challenge Moshe. And rabbis tell us that Hashem gave Moshe the sapphire which remained from making the Ten Commandments. The second tablets were made by Moses himself. 
and it says, it's a Gemara, actually, we just learned here, Dafiobi in Ketubot. And uh, the, the Gemara says that how did Moshe Rabbeinu become wealthy? Because Hashem gave him the second tablets. He had to hew himself. They were hewn out of solid sapphire, some kind of stone, precious material. And all the pieces that he had left after he hewn the stones, Hashem said, you keep them. So Moshe became very wealthy and Korach got very jealous. And Korach challenges Moshe Rabbeinu. So we find that money is a big vehicle for a, a testing. The ladder up to heaven can be the ladder of tests of money, person can pass the test and go up to heaven or go down the ladder. So that's one of the ideas of the Balatur. This ladder, what is the ladder? Okay, so Rashi says, this ladder is the angels going up and down with divine protection. Wherever a person goes, Hashem sends angels to protect them. And this ladder was, Yaakov Avinu is leaving Israel. So, so the Rashi says, the angels of Israel were leaving him and new angels were being sent down the ladder from heaven. These are the angels of Chutzlaretz, of outside Israel. Apparently, there's different levels of divine providence. The level of divine providence in Israel is higher, and two great uh, angels came, uh, went up the ladder from divine providence of Israel, and now he's getting angels of outside Israel. So different levels of divine providence. That's the second idea of the ladder, is divine protection the angels of Israel are leaving, the angels of outside Israel are coming down. Divine protection, the ladder symbolizes divine protections. Angels coming down, angels going up are our protectors. Number three is the timeline of Jewish history. This is a beautiful midrash. The midrash says this ladder is like a timeline of history. You ever seen a timeline of history? They go, usually they go horizontally over here. Just imagine a timeline of history. It says, uh, the Midrash says it's referring to different empires. These angels going up and down the ladder were the angels of the empire, symbolizing the, the level of the ascendancy of the empire, and then the empire's ascent and descent. So some angels went up certain parts of that. Let's just read this Midrash. The Midrash says, the ladder represents a timeline of world history. The angels going up and down the ladder represented different empires that would arise over the course of time. The Babylonian, the Persian, the Greek would rise and fall. But the Roman Empire, symbolized by the last angel that kept on going up the ladder. And Jacob got terrified when he sees this empire keep on growing. This Roman Empire, which is we're still in the throes of the, of the Roman Empire. Western civilization is based on the Roman Empire. And it's keeping on going. It's 2,000 years old. Amazing. So when Yaakov saw this, he got terrified. And that's when Hashem appears. And he says, Yaakov, don't worry. I'm with you. You're going to survive even this last exile. So the four different empires are, according to the Midrash, are symbolized as a timeline of, of history. The third level, the third explanation, uh, sorry, the fourth explanation, spiritual growth, our purpose in this world. This is, this is a message for us. Our purpose in this world is to reach spiritual heights by climbing the spiritual ladder leading to Hashem. This is our mission in the world. What is our mission in the world? To climb spiritual heights and climb up to Hashem. To reach Hashem, a person has to climb this ladder. Now, why a ladder? And the answer is there's never, we never stay still. King David says this in Psalm 24. We all know Psalm 23. Psalm 24. David Amelach, King David says, we learned this one now in our series on Psalms. This is a psalm for Sunday. Who will climb the mountain of God? 
So the ladder symbolizes this mountain. Who's climbing the mountain of God? It's a ladder. It's a mountain. Climb up to God. And who can climb there? Right? David, King David says, me are more than Concordia. And who can stay up there? Who can stay up there? So a ladder, there's two parts of the ladder. There's a climbing and then there's descent, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I, I always talk about this world as shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders. We climb the mountain of spirituality and then the snake comes along or the shoot and we just fall. So we, you know, we climb, we try, we strive, and then some kind of Yitzharat gets us, the evil inclination gets us, and, and boom, a person falls, free fall before they know it. They're, whole, they're high up there. Yom Kippur is the analogy. We're high up there, spirituality, and then the next day, boom, down again. So that's the ladder. We have to keep on climbing this ladder. That's, that's the ladder that Yaakov uh, Avinu saw. The ladder of spiritual growth. One does not stand still on the ladder. Either one is climbing. There's no sense standing still on the ladder. Either you're climbing, you do what you want and then come down. You don't stay up there. No one stays on a ladder. You can't live on a ladder. So unfortunately, it's hard to climb the spiritual ladder because one has to defy the gravitational pull of our physical and material tendencies. That's the problem. What pulls us down this ladder is gravitational pull, the pull of our physical and material desires and tendency. While climbing down is too easy, you just have to let the physicality pull one down. But the hard part is to climb up. So climb up is a slow process. It's rung by rung. But the fall is too easy. The fall just because it slides down the ladder, just climbing up the ladder. And there's one aspect of Yaakov's uh, dream of the ladder. It applies to all of us. Spiritual growth or spiritual descendancy. And we have to try and climb up. And we mentioned prayer. Prayer, another facet of the ladder is climbing up to God, trying to reach out to God. How do we reach up to God? Prayer is the ladder to lead us up to our Father in heaven. Our prayers, our thoughts, our aspirations. In fact, one of our prayers should be, Hashem, help me to climb this ladder to you. Help me to reach you, Hashem. Help me to reach you, Hashem. And it's interesting because our Shmona Esrei starts reach, uh, when we reach Hashem. The Shmon Esrei, the, the prayer, the, the main prayer that we pray three times a day, the main prayer called the Shmon Esrei, which is 18 blessings, which is today's 19 blessings, starts off with our God, our God of our fathers. And it, was, it starts off with meeting God. Yeah, but, but before that, in Shacharit, at least, there's a lot of different levels to get to that stage. Right? There's uh, the Korbanot, there's, there's the Psalms of Praise, there's the Yotzer, or the blessings before the Shema, after the Shema, the Shema itself. And then we can address Hashem. So we climb the ladder in our prayers and we get to the level where we can talk to Hashem that you are the God of our fathers. We recognize you. We're getting to the point where we can talk to you. We're on top of the ladder. But our prayers, they end and then the person's down the ladder. Because the idea through the day is every blessed person says through the day, connect with Hashem. Climb that ladder again. Connect with Hashem again. It's so hard to be connected all the time. It's so hard to remain connected to God. But that's the spiritual ladder that we have to also try and climb every single day the spiritual ladder, using prayer, using mitzvot, using Torah to climb this ladder to connect to Hashem. So on the basis of this passage, the stages say in the Talmud, 
Jacob Yaakov Avinu instituted the evening prayer. It was evening. And he got to this place. What was he doing in this place? He was praying. He prayed. He formulated the evening prayer. The evening prayer is formulated based on this pasuk, on this verse. And Yaakov, he entered this place, the rabbis say, he entered this place to pray. And in fact, Rashi says he forgot to pray there and he continued. He was nearly at his destination, Haran. And he remembers, boy, how could I pass this place? Let me go back and pray over there. So he goes back all the way and he prays over there. And that's the basis of our evening prayers. This is Abraham instituted the morning prayers. Yitzhak instituted the afternoon prayers. And Yaakov, Abinu, and this is Parashah, instituted the evening prayers. And that's what it means. He encountered on this on this place. Who did he encounter? He encountered God in this place. So interesting. So it seems like the dream was an answer to his prayers. Can you imagine what he's praying? He's running away from his brother. Hashem, please help me. Escape my brother. Hashem, I'm going to the unknown. Help me with my father-in-law. Help me to come back in peace to my father's house. Help me, Hashem. Just keep helping me. And straight away, he gets the answer in his dream. A very comforting dream with very deep messages. Messages about the future, not just for him, but also posterity, the timeline of Jewish history. And he gets this beautiful vision where at the end is very comforting. God is there. So I'm with you. I'll be with you. I'll look after you. So a beautiful idea. We should, before we go to sleep, try and envisage. <laughs> be a great idea. Try and get to this point before we go to sleep and think about that as going to heaven. Halavai. You know, when a person sleeps, halavai, we think about this idea of spiritual growth and going up to heaven. The truth is, the last line we say before we sleep in the Siddur is, Hashem, I'm depositing my soul with you. You redeem me, Hashem. And so we deposit, before we sleep, we deposit our souls with God. And in the morning when we wake up, we say, thank you, Hashem, for giving back, giving back my soul. So it's a beautiful idea. We get to the point where we're climbing up the ladder all day. We get to Hashem, we give him our soul. And then in the morning, he gives back our soul. Beautiful idea. This idea, a very comforting idea that Hashem is looking after us. Even when we're sleeping, even when we're out of commission, Hashem is guarding our souls. Beautiful, beautiful concept, beautiful idea. Don't be scared when you sleep. In those days, especially people were terrified. No lights, no police. Can imagine living in a place where it's... Wild West, it's really wild out there, and there's nothing to protect, only Hashem. So, a very comforting way to go to sleep. Anyway, so there's a lot of different ideas in this in this in this dream. So, even though the the prayers generally are pretty much the same, the Shmonesra at least, the forefathers left their mark on these prayers. Abraham Avinu symbolizes dawn, the dawn of monotheism, the dawn of ethical monotheism, that's Abraham, Abraham, so that's the prayer of Shacharit, the dawn, the sun is rising, Yitzhak Avinu symbolizes the afternoon, the sun starts setting in his day, and Yaakov is night, why is Yaakov night? Because Yaakov lived in two exiles, he was exiled from his land, Israel, goes to Haran, gets married over there, has children, comes back to Israel, and then again he is exiled, this time to Egypt, where the family lived for 210 years, hard to imagine, 210 years of exile, that's night. Nighttime is exile time. You have to remember that. Nighttime is exile. That's Jacob. Yaakov Avinu symbolizes Jacob. So that, that's the, 
The prayers are based on this idea in a broad pattern. The first, so uh, there's, a, there's a few things over here. There's a tradition that when Jacob was traveling, the sun set suddenly. And, and Yaakov intended to pray Mincha. His father had invented Mincha, but he found to surprise it was dark already. And he prayed Arit instead. So that's again, it's something Hashem intended that he should be the initiator of that prayer. It's a beautiful idea. And uh, so it's something which we have to pay in mind that this is really powerful prayer. When, when a person knows it's night coming and I'm powerless and defenseless at night, that prayer takes on extra significance. That prayer is a prayer from the heart. Save me, Hashem. You know, today we don't really think about this. We have lights, adventure, we have police, we have protection, other forms. But in those days, especially, you can imagine you're praying and there's nothing, it's dark, dark, pitch black around you. The stories of the Talmud, Rabbi Kiva, is in the forest, and he had his, his, his rooster and his donkey and his uh, lantern. And the wind blows out his lantern, and then the lion eats up his donkey, and the fox takes his rooster. He's left in the pitch black. So we have to remember that when we go to sleep. Hashem is the one watching us. Hashem, Hashem should be all after all of us. But exile is also night. And that's Jacob's prayer. Jacob's prayer is a time. I am going into exile, Hashem. Save me in this night. In this exile, I'm scared. Please, you save me, Hashem. So that's the prayer of, of uh, Yaakov Avinu. And what does Yaakov Avinu see? He has this, this beautiful ladder. This ladder going up to heaven. And uh, he was the person who had the greatest visions. All the, all the forefathers, he had this amazing spiritual vision, very comforting vision. And when he wakes, he says, surely Hashem is in this place. And I was not aware of it. By Yeravi Omar, he was scared, stiff. And he said, Manorama Kumazeh. How awesome is this place? This is the house. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. Now we have a, a very big Kabbalistic concept over here. This concept that certain places are holier than others. Certain places, there's a concept in science today of a wormhole. From one uh, universe to another universe, a wormhole. It's an amazing concept because we Jews talked about this thousands of years ago. The Kabbalah talks about the uh, places in the world where wormholes from our physical world to the spiritual world. And one of the places is Mount Moriah, Hara Moriah, where the temple is. The rabbis say there's a temple over here, our physical temple and the spiritual temples meet. It's a gateway to heaven. That's exactly what Yaakov Avinu uh, was praying. And he realized this is a very special place. This is a place that the dimensions meet. This is a place where the ladder goes. In fact, when we pray, we are praying facing Yushalayim. And in Yushalayim, we face the Temple Mount. Because that's where the prayers are going up from. That's the wormhole. That's the connection between the universes, between the physical and the spiritual universe. It's one of the connections. And last we talked about Hebron was, is also one of the connections between the physical and the spiritual worlds. So it's interesting that this modern concept of wormholes is not called, it's not a wormhole, it's a, it's a contact point between two universes, the physical and the spiritual universe. And Jacob, he you know, wakes up and he says, now I know where this, where is this place, this magical place where the world's universes meet? This is the place I slept. 
That's where the ladder is. And that's where today every Jew around the world faces when they pray, based on this concept. So that is a beautiful dream. How awesome is this place? Now, it's interesting. Yaakov Avinu, he's a man of, after this we see just practical. He's practical. He goes, he marries Laban's daughters and he becomes a shepherd. 20 years of his life, he's a shepherd. 20 years, that's a long time. He's working day and night to earn his living. 14 years for his wives and six years for make some money. 20 years of his life, he's practical. Uh, now, we don't know what he was thinking when he was a shepherd. We said that shepherds, they, a lot of our greats were shepherds. Because when you're a shepherd, you have a lot of time to meditate. The sheep don't really run around much, hopefully, if they're, they're, they're mild sheep. So he has a, sh- a sheepdog, and he's a shepherd, and he's out in the fields day and night, and he's meditating, and he's, he's close to God. He's close to nature, we talked about last week. Close to nature, close to God through nature, and he's meditating. But what happens is he has another dream. Many years later, he has this dream, and in his dream, he's thinking. What is he thinking in his dream? Sheep. He's dreaming about different kinds of sheep. Because his contract with Lavan was, you get all the speckled sheep, Yaakov. Any sheep which you got funny shapes and funny colors, you're going to get them. So his dream was all about sheep. Materialism, materialism. So when he left Israel, his dreams are all about spirituality. Ladders going to heaven, angels going up and down the ladder. But after living with Lavan for so long, for 20 years, the materialism sinks into him. Living in exile so long, the materialism sinks into Yaakov Avinu. And Yaakov Avinu starts thinking about sheep. That's a really big fall. If you ask me, that's a major fall. That is a major fall. You know, there's a beautiful idea. How do you define maturity? What is the person's definition of maturity? So either you can say maturity is when a person gets wisdom. They mature with wisdom gained from experience over time. We learn from our events in our, in our lives and we get extra experience and that is maturity. Or a person can say maturity is, you know, the childish ideas and dreams I had when I was a kid. Now I'm mature. I don't dream them anymore. The childish visions of my childhood I don't dream of anymore I'm mature now I'm more practical now I'm going to abandon my youthful ideals I'll surrender my impractical hopes and settle for reality and its limitations a lot of people do that they have these great visions when they're young and they're kids and then when they grow up they say you know what I can't reach those visions those visions are impractical I'm going to go for practicality and I'm going to withdraw from these ideal visions that I had. So what is our perspective on maturity? And is maturity associated with wisdom? For sure. Or is maturity the person who learned to live in a practical ideas without having his visions of youth? That's the question. So it seems like Yaakov starts with these sublime dreams, visions of spirituality climbing up to heaven and then towards the end of his stay with Lavan he has these practical dreams well it's all about now I realize I'm mature now I can forget my uh, childhood dreams and now realize that 
life is all about sheep. Life is all about money. Life is all about materialism, a very business-like, down-to-earth, practical dream. So his first dream, the sublime one, envisions ladders firmly rooted to the earth, extending heavenward. And then after his years with Lavan, he's busy with mundane affairs in his own world. Scorched by heat all day, freezing at night, he's busy, preoccupied with business affairs, with profit, with practical material matters, and he dreams again. His second dream, his dream is far from sublime. He sees the he goats and the she goats, and they were the flock was streaked, speckled, and mottled. And if Yaakov's second dream would end right there, you could say that he matured in the second way. He forgot his childhood dreams, and now he realizes life is practical. I gotta get into the business world. However, his second dream ends in a strange way. What happens is another angel, he sees another angel in the second dream. <laughs> and the angel tells him, Hashem has noted all that Lavan has done to you. Hashem is aware of everything that Lavan has done to you. Now, if you just think about that, what does that mean? Everything Lavan has done to you. What has Lavan done to you? He tricked you. He cooked you. He made you a slave. He made you into a servant. No. What he has done to you is he made you materialistic like him. What has Lavan done to you? Hashem says, I see what Lavan has done to you. I can see from your dreams what Lavan has done to you. And the angel then goes on to say, I am representing the God of Bethel. That's where Yaakov had his first dream. I am sent here from the God of Bethel. Leave this land. Go back to your native land. It is time for you to go back to your original dreams and live your dream of spirituality. Go back to your land. Go back to Israel. Go back to Bethel. Go back to these places. Go back to your visions of, of God and angels. And that is the message in the second dream. The, second, the message in the second dream is Yaakov, Hashem is telling Yaakov, don't, don't leave your original spiritual thoughts. Don't become a mundane materialistic individual. Go back to the dreams of your youth. Go back home. Go back to your spiritual life. And that's a beautiful lesson for all of us. A person should have these dreams, should have these visions. You know, it's interesting that the Talmud says that a person who doesn't dream for seven days is called evil. What does that mean? A person who doesn't dream for seven days is called evil. And the answer is these are the kind of dreams we're talking about. A person who doesn't dream about growth. How do I get, how do I grow further? We have to dream. This is our dreams. Our dreams are, how can I improve my physical life, my materialistic life? Yes. And how can I improve all the relationships I have with my wife, my spouse, my family, my children? Yes. And how can I improve my relationship with God? How can I grow spiritually? That's, that should be our dream. A person doesn't dream for seven days is called evil. He's not dreaming about improvement. We have to dream constantly about self-improvement, how to improve ourselves. And that's the lesson the Yaakov in the second dream. The angel tells him, you're becoming materialistic. I see what Lavan did to you. Lavan has made you dream about sheep. That's all he does. All Lavan does is dream about sheep and, and money and materialism, and he's made you like him. And it's interesting because we say in the Haggadah, Every, every Pesach, every night on the cellar table, we say, Aramean, this Aramean wanted to kill our father. 
Who is the Aramean who wanted to kill our father? Laban. So how did Laban want to kill our father? We don't find Laban trying to kill our father. Actually, it does say that Hashem tells Laban, he says, don't uh, say good or bad to Yaakov. Yaakov's running away. Laban catches up to him. He said, if God would not have told me last night not to talk to you, good or bad, I would have, something bad would have happened. Maybe Laban did try and kill Yaakov. We don't know. He didn't really, it doesn't say that he tried to kill him. But maybe he tried to kill him spiritually by affecting him. By influencing him to dream about sheep and becoming materialistic like him. That is also a kind of spiritual death. It's a kind of spiritual stagnation. We find a lot of people who, you know, kids go to yeshiva and then they go back home. And, you know, when they're yeshiva, they're very spiritual. They want to learn and they want to do this, want to do mitzvot. They go back home and before they know it, they're back in the trap of materialism. And they forget, they forget spiritual dimension and that's something which we must never forget and this is you know an eternal lesson for all of us the dreams of our national youth the visions of our biblical heroes the visions of our patriarchs and our matriarchs can only be achieved we have to realize that go back to israel the land of israel and we can revisit the dreams of our youth we can go back home that's what yaakov that's what the angel tells yaakov go back home and what happens is, you know, this is interesting because Yaakov Avinu leaves Israel with this beautiful dream of the angels going up and down the ladder, spirituality, beautiful. And he goes to Haran and changes and he's going back to his dreams of sheep. And then he gets this message from the angel, go back home. It's not about sheep. Life is more than sheep. So you go back home. Yaakov's going back home. And there's something waiting for him in Yaakov's going back home. There's another trouble going back home. And he's praying to God again. Help me, Hashem. Please help me. My brother Esau is coming. We're going to see 400 men. 400 men with Esau. And before he meets Esau, he has another dream. Wow. And Ramon says it's a dream. Even though the Torah does not say it's a dream, Ramon says it's a vision. You don't fight angels when you're wide awake. He is fighting with this angel in the middle of the night. Now, is that a dream? The Torah doesn't say it's a dream. Rambam says it must be a dream. You can't fight angels physically. It's a spiritual, it's a vision. And, and even though the Ramban Nachmanadi says it, it actually happened. It's a physical angel that caught hold of Yaakov. And he has this, again, a spiritual encounter. And it's, a, it's like he started off with a spiritual encounter with his ladder, and now he has another spiritual encounter in Haran, go back home. He goes back home and he has another spiritual encounter with this spiritual entity which fights him all night and eventually changes his name to Yisrael. Jacob Yaakov, he said, is called the heel. And we talked about last week how the heel implies the end person. He was an end person. He was willing to sacrifice the here and now for the future. He was willing to sacrifice his bowl of soup. He was willing to sacrifice his wealth for the, for the future. For future good, for spirituality, he was willing to sacrifice the here and now. Whereas Esav was made, ready-made. Asui, he was Esav. He was ready-made. He wasn't willing to sacrifice anything physical for the spirituality. He wasn't willing to, uh, to sacrifice the, the pottage, the soup for his birthright. He was willing to sell his birthright. And the Torah says, Esav despised his birthright. Interesting. Esav tells Yaakov, he says, give me soup. What does Yaakov give him? He gives him bread. 
Why does he give him bread? So the rabbis say, because he gave him the soup straight away. It was seen like Esau sold his birthright for soup and he, because he was really hungry. We can understand he was, uh, he was really hungry. So Yaakov sold, gives him bread first. Esau says, I'm satisfied now with the bread, but I'm still hungry for the soup. I'm willing, even though I'm, I'm not hungry now, I'm willing to sell my birthright just for dessert. You know, what's, what's worse, sell your birthright for the main course or sell your birthright for dessert? <laughs> he sold his birthright for dessert. How many Jews today sell their birthrights? It's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine we sell our birthrights so, so easily like Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. How many Jews are selling their birthrights? We don't really realize that a person goes to a non-kosher restaurant, they're selling their birthright. A person who you know, doesn't keep Shabbat properly, they're, they're selling their birthright. Our birthright is Israel. We don't, we don't sell our birthright. That's Esau. We're Yaakov. We don't sell our birthright so easily. We don't sell. We buy birthrights. We don't sell birthrights. You know, it's interesting. They call the program for these young people birthright. It's such an appropriate name. This is your birthright. This is our birthright. We don't sell our birthright. So he's going back to Israel. And who's waiting for him? Esau is waiting for him. And... The, he sees this stranger over there and the stranger attacks him. And he's fighting the stranger all night and he wounds Yaakov in the hip. And we get a mitzvah from that. We get a mitzvah not to eat the sciatic nerve. It's called Gida Nasher. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. It's got to be removed from the animal before we can eat. And that's why T-bone steak is so rare in a, in a Jewish, in a kosher restaurant because you have this nerve that's a, it's a massive nerve. It just goes right through the leg and has many little endings that go right through the leg and the muscle over there. And it takes a lot of wisdom to be able to take out that whole nerve. And that's why it's so rare to find a T-bone steak, a kosher T-bone steak. Okay, so there's another bit that comes out. Anyway, so what happens? This angel, what does he do to Yaakov? So it says Yaakov, the angel, he catches hold of the angel and says, I won't let you go. And... They fight till the morning until the angel says, let me go, let me go, let me go. I got to go. So Midrash says he got to go and serve God. He's, the angel's got to go. Apparently there's a time where the angel's got to go and praise God. Every angel's got to praise God. And the time came for him to praise God. He can't be late for his appointment with God. So Yaakov says, okay, give me a blessing. I want you to go and say, give me a blessing. And the angel changes Yaakov's name from the heel to Yisrael which could be also read as Yashar El. You are the straight one of God. Before you were the heel, now you are straight. You are, or the, or the Torah explains that Yisrael, you fought with God and you succeeded. You fought with the angel and you succeeded. So Yaakov was the one who changed from being this, uh, this slippery kind of, Esau calls him, he tricked me twice, the trickster Yaakov, the heel. And now Yaakov is now Yashariel. He's the straight one of God. He can look his enemy straight in the eye and deal with them face to face, just like he dealt with Lavan. And just like he's going to deal with Esau and end the story with Esau, his brother, on a good note, on a, on a very straightforward, face to face, eye to eye, no, straight, straight, being straight, Yashariel, being straight with God. And this is the strength. Yaakov gave us as the Jewish people. There's this one tiny people. It's interesting to think that uh, today just the most recent news is, you know what the most recent news is? Eight billion people in this planet. 
how many Jews in this planet? So you ask any anti-Semite, they'll tell you there must be billions of Jews. Because everywhere I go, I see Jews. You ask all these anti-Semites, how many Jews in the world? And then you tell them there's only 14 million Jews in the world. Jews should never have been heard of. Think about it. The proportion of Jews in the world, 0.01%. 0.01%. And Jews are everywhere. We're in the news every single day. Uh, and if you look at the news every single day, nonstop Jews are in the news. And uh, the anti semites think there are billions of us, and we're less than 0.010%, 0.01% of the world population. And now it's probably even less. There's 8 billion people in the world. And yet, we're still around. And that is the message of Yaakov. That one tiny people survived tragedies that would have spelled the end of any other people. Destruction of two temples, the Babylonian Roman conquests, the expulsions, the persecutions, the pogroms of the Middle Ages, the rise of anti-Semitism in 19th century Europe and the Holocaust. And not just that we survive, after every cataclysm, renewed ourselves, scaling new heights of achievement. This, I mean, think about it. this is unbelievable. This is wild. During the Babylonian exile, we wrote the Talmud. Imagine writing the Talmud in the Babylonian exile. Imagine we're in exile in Babylon and writing the Talmud. The Talmud is such a massive work. It just If you learn a page a day, it's seven years. It's seven years to learn the Talmud. Seven years of pages. That's 365 times seven is a couple of thousand pages. And that's what they did in exile. And then when the first temple was destroyed, they wrote the Mishnah. Rabbi Uda Nasi wrote the Mishnah. And the Midrash and all the oral laws were written down. Every time there was a cataclysm, we came out stronger. More books were written. During the Middle Ages, masterpieces of Jewish law, Torah commentaries, poetry, philosophy. And a mere three years after the Holocaust, the state of Israel. This is wild. This is how do we, every time we fall, we pick ourselves up. That's the, that's the message of Yaakov. Yaakov Abedin fell. He fell when he ran away from his parents. He had to run away from himself. He fell terribly, physically, materially, spiritually fell. And then eventually he gets that dream and he picks himself up and he goes back to Israel and he's, he has to fight the angel and he picks himself up again. He meets Esau and he picks himself up again. And then he's an exile in Egypt. He lost his son, Yosef, and he picks himself up. That's the message. That is the message of Yaakov Avinu. And I just, this is a beautiful analogy. Rabbi Sachs says it's an analogy. Rabbi Sachs, Allah Shalom, the great man, really great uh, one of the greatest uh, people I've, I've seen and known, Baruch Hashem, uh, Rabbi Sack, Chief Rabbi of England, he says he had to go a medical exam. What was the exam? The exam was a treadmill. They put him on the treadmill for a stress test. <laughs> so, <laughs> stress test. Now, anyone goes for a stress test, and yeah, you don't ask questions. But here, he's a rabbi, and he's smart, and he's asking the doctor questions. And he, he asked the doctor, he says, tell me, he says, what are you testing? How fast I go or how long I can keep it up? So the doctor told him, he says, we're not testing how fast you're going. We're not testing how long you can go. We're testing your recovery. When you get off the treadmill, how long does it take for your pulse to go back to normal? That's what we're testing. So he, this is amazing insight. Rabbi Sachs says, 
I discovered that health is measured by the power of recovery. Right? Health is not how healthy you are, it's the health is how fast can you recover from illness? That's your health. So a healthy person can recover very fast from illness. Unhealthy person takes a long time to recover. So that's health. He says health is the power of recovery. This is true for everyone, but doubly so for leaders and for the Jewish people, a nation of leaders. We are a kingdom of priests, we're a nation of leaders. Leadership, especially in matters of the spirit, is deeply stressful. Four figures, imagine. Four of our greatest prophets prayed to God to kill them. Wow. Moshe Rabbeinu says, erase my name from your book. I can't take this anymore. You're going to destroy the, my people. You're going to take me away. Get Elijah the prophet, Eliyahu Navi, tells God, he says, I can't take any more. Kill me. Get me. Get me out of here. Yeah, Jeremiah, Jonah. Yeah. So these are greats. Why? What happened? What happened with these people? So leadership is a tough job. So it's depression, yes, is part of leadership. Person fails, sees failure, but they have to recover. That's health is about recovery. So leadership, especially in matters of the spirit, is deeply stressful. It is greatness that leads to moments of despair, or is it moments of despair that leads to greatness? It's a very important idea. Uh, Yako, can you mute everyone? Yako, can you mute everyone? I'll hold this for you. Thank you. So leadership is stressful, and the ability to survive and recover is what it takes to be a leader. Yaakov endured stress, the rivalry with Esau, the resentment of Laban, the tension between his wives and his children, the early death of his beloved Rachel, his wife, his favorite wife, and the loss for 22 years of his favorite son, Yosef. He says to Pharaoh, he says, few and hard have been the years of my life. Yet on the way, he encountered angels. And whether they were wrestling with him or whether they were climbing the ladder to God, they lit the night with the aura of transcendence. Yaakov Avinu was a man who could transcend his troubles and link himself to Hashem. To try to fall, to fear, and to keep going. That's what it takes to be a leader. That was Yaakov Avinu. That's the lesson of Yaakov Avinu for us. We try, we fall, we fear, we fail, but let's keep on going and trying to climb that ladder. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Many blessings from, from Yerushalayim, Yerat Kodesh. And let's all climb that ladder of spirituality, Bezrat Hashem, and be successful. Take care. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.